Welcome to the show, songwriter and singer himself. We got Eric Linden here tonight to talk about his dropping like it's hot tracks. Thank you, Cam. Uh, thanks for having me on. Happy to be here and uh, talking about my music, talking about all kinds of great pop culture stuff that you got going on. Uh, very exciting stuff. So thanks for having me on and supporting local music. Absolutely. He has worked with the likes of Knife River Records and Red Dot Recording, and he is based in Minneapolis. He comes with us today to just talk about his uh, newish uh, renditions and uh, what inspires him as a songwriter. But so first off, uh, let's back it up. Let's back up these tracks. Um, once again, you already this kind of this interview kind of already wrote itself because there's just so much material to. You, you already had the website part down in, you know, <laughs> Spotify uh, to a T in your store, but it was really just neat just how this kind of all organically chat, you know, happened. We were following each other randomly on Twitter and it was like, you know, I do want to actually, you know, talk to another music artist. You know, there's no shortage of it. It's a variety show and uh, it, it just seems so natural and just how this, you know, you were promoting your Burning Up the Marquee album and staying busy and i was like yeah we 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 got a chat <laughs> so yeah perfect yeah there's a lot of great connections to be had uh through twitter um and especially uh, around album promotion time and over the last couple of years um so yeah thanks for reaching out and appreciate what you said about the the website and, and spotify i really have, there's um... so many who won't do it they and it's like <laughs> yeah you, you, you hire someone man just uh get a better album cover get something but get somebody to do something for you you can't do it all alone yeah and but they don't have to like even your work for them to you know do something good for you you know they you you, you can improve on whatever you want as soon as it gets going but yeah this was really neat because it was a you had a lot of indie uh progressive and alternative rock and you even had description i was getting so many vibes i was getting uh uh a, one of your slower tracks uh kind of a bob dylan kind of feel and then mm -hmm. some other kind of bluegrass rock and another one uh my personal favorites uh were easily um uh, you know crimson lips was peaking really high on the charts but i really dug nowhere fast cinnamon and over and over again i really dug those three other ones because it's just like see this is the kind of just laid back <laughs> outdoor kind of rock and i know you said you know you're from a garage band type yeah. vibe but i mean it's really cool to see this amount of diversity um uh, so uh again yeah you know you began in 2019 uh but were you always a music guy or did it hit you way later yeah um for me um i was always really 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 into music as a kid and I kind of felt a little out of time um, with, with a lot of the mainstream music that was going on in the Midwest, at least <laughs> in the in the 80s. And so when alternative music hit in the 90s, I was, I think, like 13 years old when Nirvana hit the scene. And that was a big turning point. And that was like, a, I need to start playing guitar. Nothing yesterday. else mattered. <laughs> yeah. Run, uh, it run, was run. just like, I, I just like it hit at the exact most potent time and um, I think a lot of people around my age maybe had similar experiences, um, perhaps with Nirvana or other bands. And I just really dove, dove really deep into to music. And there was such a big variety. Uh, alternative is such a huge umbrella. And um, and so I, I was playing a, around uh, North Dakota, uh, where I grew up, very small, uh, small area. And we would put on shows for our town and kids who were not even really all that in music would go there because there was something to do <laughs> and uh, start playing <laughs> bigger and bigger shows. Yeah. Start playing bigger and bigger shows, uh, opening for some touring acts and you oh, know, all in Minneapolis or just for all this, this is all back in North Dakota. Yeah. So, Ooh. yeah, really, really small stuff. So, um, Minneapolis would have been the the big time at that point, but there was you know some touring acts that would come through, um, and we knew enough of the local bands. We always got really good feedback, especially on our songwriting. Um, and it's everything, isn't it? It really, really, it really is. 
Um, and then, you know, speaking of songwriting, that's kind of one of the things that happened was uh, I had started up in another band uh, a number of years ago, and we were kind of doing Americana, Lumineers kind of stuff. It was playing guitar with a, with a couple um, who were both really excellent singers, kind of in that genre. It got me back in playing it got me out doing some shows around Minneapolis now. Um, and that band uh, broke up right before COVID. You kept on. But I I kept on, yeah. Um, and one of the reasons was my brother had reached out to me um, when that band broke up. And he said, you know, we used to write all these songs back in the day. We got, we got a couple friends. Um, let's start up a songwriters group online. And so. Sweet. And it's every week, networking. Yeah, it, it was, and it was all, you know, these guys that we went to high school and college with, and um, every week, I think for 30 weeks, we wrote and recorded a song, sent them to one another, got some feedback, and uh, I kind of picked the 10 best out of that batch, and that became the album, uh, Burning Up the Marquee. Very nice, and uh, who are your, you know, you you have so many different influences, I saw, you know, especially with Crimson Lips, the stones and the cars, and you totally got that kind of, you know, do-it-yourself, you know, 80s vibe that they echoed. Um, but who was, like, your main, like, if you had to pick at least two to five, uh, just guys who just made you say, you know, I love them so much, I might as well try it. Yeah. For fun um, or as a career. <laughs> you know, and it, it, it's, it's always interesting when I put out a new single. Um, I think I have some semblance of an idea of what people are going to say. It sounds like, but people will really surprise me. But um, in what they'll hear, you got that from this. <laughs> you got that. Uh, you had mentioned Dylan. Um, Dylan was. I went through a year in college where I probably listened to pretty much nothing but Dylan. I, I, it just he kind of had almost <laughs> a mannerism in one tune and i i thought that was neat because it's like it, it didn't it felt like a homage a proper homage instead oh, of oh wow uh instead of a you know you know we're a cover band you know uh, did yeah. you do some cover band stuff before that? uh well yeah the bands that i played in the, the americana band um was a was a cover band and the band in high school, we were kind of mix up covers of alt, alt rock stuff and and originals. And one of the reasons was, you know, if you're going to put on a show and there's only two bands you can get together, everyone's got to play for quite a long time. So we would put on like two hour shows back in the day, which you don't really get a chance to do with the city. Uh, other influences. Um, I think Tom Petty is a big one. Definitely Petty. Um, yeah. yeah, I think Petty is such a monster influence on so many songwriters now. Um, I think I he, didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's uh, just kind of risen up in national circles and rock circles and just just touches on so many things, as does Dylan. Um, you know, I'm a big Paul Westerberg and Replacements guy. I, mm. um, one of the there's a lot of Minneapolis in this, but Dan Wilson and the uh, Semi-Sonic. Of course, yeah. I mentioned Cobain. It really could go on and on. When you, know, you have uh, actual closing time, that's when you've really hung it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, the album was really interesting because um, <laughs> when we were doing this batch of, you know, 30 songs, um, we were, you know, pushing each other to try new things. And, you know, um, if if I had just sent uh, 30 songs in a row that were maybe in that rock and roll um, garage band straight ahead rocking kind of thing like a Crimson, Crimson Lips or a Chasing You, or on the other hand, if I'd done a lot of strummy acoustic stuff, <laughs> it would have it would have kind of it would have bored the other guy. So in a lot yeah, of ways, you know, we were we were really pushing each other to. Uh, to experiment and within the group you know itself um you know i'd say my brother is very very much at home with uh pop punk but he's got more into americana there's a guy who does really like heavy metal almost rage against machine you know and then there's like a country blues musician so 
in the group there, it was just a big mash of genres and then, you know, pushing each other to experiment and try something new each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> made for a really unique uh, way to make an album, I suppose. Thousand percent. Is there any music style you would like to attempt or probably not? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, um, I think uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm really inter- interested in um, Americana with uh, stringed instruments, that kind of thing. Uh, Lumineers have did some really powerful stuff um, in that genre and that quiet and loud dynamics. Another band that I'm really interested in, I'm told other spectrum, but kind of works in the same way in a quiet and loud kind of way as I was a big Smashing Pumpkins fan as a kid. That wall guitar stuff uh, sounds sounds fun to do. I think my uh, next album will probably uh, be a bit more focused genre-wise. In a lot of ways, I was setting to just really explore as a songwriter or stake out ground, which, you know, uh, if you go back to people like Dylan and Beatles, uh, that's really what they did for most of their career is (laughs) stake out different ground and trying different things, and their albums would be all kinds of different genres. Not to put myself anywhere near that caliber of songwriter, but uh, it's one way to make albums. Um, and I've heard people say, like, modern-day rock bands, um, they'll develop a sound, and they'll put out several albums around that sound rather than crafting song after song and single after single. So, you know, there's there's a different approach, I suppose. Thousand percent. Uh, all together, uh, what would you describe your just day routine kind of to be like? Uh, you know, some people, they have a rough start of the morning or they do this at the end of the day after work. Yeah. Uh, um, how do you often organize your routine? So I think I've become more of a morning per- person with time. And it's a really great time to do creative work. Um, and it's a really great time to kind of get set your day off in the right way. Um, there's a there's a book since you mentioned the morning and nighttime stuff called The Artist's Way. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. I say it again. Yes, it's called The Artist's Way. Artist's Way. And it's a book that uh, lays out what are called morning pages as one of the major major. Oh uh, yes, ninety two. Yeah. Julia Carm. Cameron. Yes, yes, there you go. Yes, yes. And and so it's people have either usually either heard of the artist way or or they've heard of the of morning pages. Spiritual and, path to higher creativity. And I taught a I taught that as a class this summer online. Um, we held a, an online event with about a hundred people showed up to get interested, and we had about people uh, love self help because yeah, self help and creativity and the journaling kind of stuff. And we ended up with about 25 people who did the whole thing all three months. And it's, it's a pretty challenging thing to do, like not only the three months in a row, but, you know, getting up every morning, writing three pages, kind of a free form stream of consciousness, getting ideas on the paper. That's a really good discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really to feed your lyrics or your short stories or your podcasts or anything like that but just to to get it all cleared out and uh, move on with your day and that was a really powerful thing and got me back into uh, a mode of considering myself an artist and and thinking and operating from that place too which is a really a a thing that the world does not want you to do i think society does a lot to um, stigmatize artists and and musicians and you know convince people that they're not really an artist for some reason <laughs> you're not really a writer you're not really a, a painter whatever the case is so uh it's a it's a really powerful book that's become a big part of my practice um a lot of my recording would probably does go on at night mm-hmm. uh, on the flip side so whatever happens in between is maybe not as interesting sometimes that's work of course 
uh, but recording uh, at night in my home studio, it's, that's been great. Exactly. It, and it means a lot when you're, again, just spreading the knowledge. Yeah, I, I mean, it was really that it was really great to um, it was the first time I had gone through it myself. I've, I've been an, an educator in many different forms for the last couple decades. Um, but uh, sharing sharing that with adults, sharing that with artists, bringing a group together, people supporting one another, people sharing their successes, seeing the artwork people are creating, the breakthroughs that people are having, um, you know, really transformative time as well. It really, I love that word, transformative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you feel like you have transformed? Yeah. Um, putting out putting out this album uh, has been a really interesting, interesting journey. Um, and talking about songs online has been a big test. Um, putting your art out in the world now is really different than it was, I'd say in the late nineties, early two thousands. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, there's things about like, well, you know, the, the labels were such a big thing at that point. That was kind of the be all end all. Uh, there of course was all the indie scenes and stuff. Now it's all. It was on word of mouth and. Yeah. You now didn't know if you were going to stick stuff. with it until. But. You know, um, I think one of the things that was, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of a tangent here. Maybe I'm just avoiding the question Fine, about my personal transformation. But one of the interesting things was, um, you know, in the 90s, uh, when alternative music did break, I think labels would find these themes where people were doing really interesting stuff for years. And, it, you know, you look at some of the bands, they were putting out their second or third album, whether it was Green Day or Smashing Pumpkins or Nirvana, that kind of stuff when they hit. And they'd been playing and touring and building up a following for a long time um, before most of the world got to hear them. And after grunge, there was, you know, sort of that punk Green Day era. Then there was like swing dancing for a while. <laughs> like it was the 90s were so wild. Like they go into the New York hippie scene or, um, and it would be like for a year, you would hear all of a sudden blues traveler and spin doctors. And then the next year it would be all swing music. His labels were turning up these music scenes and now it really works so differently because as soon as an artist says like i am ready for the world to hear me you can uh, submit your stuff to the major streaming services you can build an online following with something like twitter or a website or all the social medias you'd ever want you can post a TikTok and something can go viral for the right or the wrong reason overnight. And <laughs> right. uh, it's, it's, it's so raw and big feeling in a way compared to, you know, every month you're touring a little further from home, you're playing a little bit bigger show in the next town over those sorts of things. Um, really. And so stuff. I would say that, you know, like putting the, courage to put myself out there and network and um being okay <laughs> if uh if people don't connect with my particular genre um that's it's all you know really kind of personal personal growth yeah thousand percent i know i say that a lot but seriously i mean <laughs> better be a thousand than a hundred um all together um how would you say your music flows, you know, just from your feedback? Because right now it's just very, it's just very charming. It's very pleasant. But how would you say that you um, uh, have fleshed it out? Yeah. Like, are you asking about um, my particular process of, of building a song? Is that what you're asking? Or uh, am I uh, uh, aside from your process, like how, uh, how, uh, how would you say you have brainstormed it? Yeah. Um, uh, do you, do you often outline 
how the song is going to begin and end sure fill in the lyrics later or do you focus on the lyrics and then you focus on the tone and mood yeah um so because this uh this um song a week project for 30 weeks um what i would generally start uh off with was either jamming around on a guitar until i found um a a guitar line or perhaps some more traditional chords or something that that I really liked. Um, I would say like generally most of the time what comes to me is a, a verse part and I'll something will catch my ear about it. And then I really like to write um really big, powerful, memorable sing-along kind of type of choruses. That's a big thing for me. I, I gotcha. I'm really I'm really drawn to that. Uh, I have had people mention that that it makes me so happy when people say that kind of stuff. Um, but all of this is kind of done without lyrics. Sometimes I'll have a, a semblance of a word or a phrase, but my process at the time, having to churn out a song every week at that time, was I would get a scratch track down. I would have basically drums and guitar for verse, chorus, and bridge. And I would put that on my phone. I would walk around with that. I would drive around with that. And I would let the lyrics come to me over drive the Drive around the fat. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Driving around, let your mind clear, walk around, that kind of stuff, get stuff done on paper. Um, and, you know, inspiration for lyrics comes from all different places. And I, I really do put a lot of time, energy and focus into writing and revising my lyrics. Mm -hmm. It's definitely the hardest thing to do, even though it's by far the thing I have the most experience with is, is the word side of it. Um, but, you know, I, I've had movies written or I've had, um, I've had song ideas come to me because of movie lines. I've had songs come to me because of like, straight up internet research i've had songs come to me by overhearing a conversation my wife was having with her sister on the phone and you know that little seed uh, of a song is uh is what gets the whole thing to coalesce come together crystallize yeah gotcha gotcha uh have you thought of expanding your bandmates you've had a lot of cool yeah you've credited most of your musicians and mixers uh but even thinking of getting a bigger uh crew yeah um i would i would say um definitely open to collaborations and you know to working with uh, a band kind of in the future it was really one of my favorite parts about the whole process not only the songwriting group and the feedback and collaboration there but also um you know meeting people online during covid um, having played in bands and that kind of stuff in person, that that there is a power and other fun to that. But you know, um, I the the guy who plays drums on the entire album, his name's Christers Hardimus, and he's a professional drummer out of Latvia, and he <laughs> he is like the guy. You know, um, I I sent him a song and he he sent one back. And at one point during the, the final chorus, it sounded like the drum set was kind of about ready to explode off of its hinges or something like that. It was it was awesome. And so um, it was so cool to be able to work with a drummer of his caliber, uh, someone who does all kinds of touring, all kinds of different music. He's got a great YouTube channel that he does. Nice. Um, I, and I love to to mention him, throw him, you know, throw links out to him because it's so fun to celebrate that with, um, with a, a you know, with a musician, with my co co writer. language, yeah, yeah, and and you know, he got to come to America actually not that long ago. Um, he was asking he me, got to for, meet well, he, he was going to New York, which is a great place to go if you're going to visit America, and he he had message me uh, about you know good, good places to go and i said i've only actually been to new york once because a lot of europeans think that uh united states is not as big 
as it is, where, you know, to drive to New York would be a very, very, very long road trip from Minneapolis. And so I didn't have a whole lot of travel tips for him as he visited, but it was cool. He got to come to the United States uh, with his girlfriend, you know, see Statue of Liberty and all kinds of cool stuff around New York. Yeah. Um, the in. album is also divided into two parts. He kind of mentioned some of the mixers. Um, yeah. And so the first half, I, I, you know, if it was an album, it would be like side A and side B. Uh, side A is almost entirely Sorry, done by... Sorry, kids. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> Sorry, kids, yeah. And I, I, I did have requests for people to put it out on vinyl, but um, uh, not, not this go-around. The first half uh, of the album is mixed uh, by myself and mastered by Red Dot Recording, who um, Tyler Pilot out of Red Dot Recording in Bismarck. Um, he was really instrumental in making things come together, and so many of those really strong singles came out of his work. Um, and then the second half of the album was I really wanted to power through, get things get things done, and I was able to hand over the rest of the songs to a guy named Nick Terra, who's out of San Francisco. And um, Nick Terra is... He his he has a motor that doesn't stop. He's putting out music all the time, and uh, he was he was uh, mixing for other people, and we talked about it. And so a couple of the songs that you'd men mentioned, you know, Crimson Lips with that Cars kind of keyboard sound, that was all him. Um, and um, he he's also the guy singing on on Cinnamon. So he's putting on vocal harmonies. And he brought, he brought a lot of really creative uh, creative stuff to that second half of the album, which I think is another reason why there's such a wide span of different genres on there is, is working with two different producers. That's very neat. And so, and you guys, would you say, aside from you guys being all on the same, again, just general uh uh, interest and speaking the same language and and no miscommunication uh why why else do you think you guys just gel together yeah um you know um one of the things you know and i think you know i think uh people like to do creative things and if uh you have a song or you have a story ideas or you've got a film idea or a short film or something like that where you know theater works the same way where you can collaborate with people people are really happy to jump on um and i would say like prister's music taste is is pretty different than mine you know i don't know if we would work well as a touring band or anything like that but i do love his his drumming um you know Tyler does a lot of heavier stuff. He he does really like a lot of rock and metal and that kind of stuff, which is great and definitely brings a lot of attention to detail to his mixing. Uh, Nick Terra, if you listen to his solo music, it's actually a lot of hip hop. Um, but I would say, you know, people would hear the songs and they'd be down with it. And um, I would have that structure in place. And for a guy like Nick, he kind of had a, playground to play in and um you know um i think there was a lot of room for christers too to bring a lot of live drums to it which is a really unique way to make an album these days a lot of a lot of drums are are clicked exactly down to the track and quantitized and timed perfectly um, music has kind of become really really more sterile i would say in the last 10 years uh, because technology allows for that and so i thought it was really cool uh to have this just excellent drummer playing along with the album and i i do get that feedback from a lot of people that, that it's got a, a human vibe that's more organic um, there's a million different ways to make records um and this was you know it was just a fun way to do it i suppose uh, very nice. Um, any oh, any other future aspirations that you got planned? Yeah. Um, 
I, you know, I think putting out this first album uh, on Knife River Records was the first CD we put out. Um, and the other, the other band that we have on there is a really good friend of mine in the Negatrons, who was out of Bismarck. I, I saw that ne- the yeah. ne- the Negatrons. I didn't know if you guys had like the same web developer or what, but I was yeah. like, that's awesome that you gave a shout out to someone. And so you had toured with them. Uh, yeah, I played with him in high school, and he was a member of the songwriting group, that kind of thing. And so, uh, Negatrons and us, we'd kind of put together our, our myself, and we put together our own uh, label to kind of navigate this world of music distribution and music promotion together. And um, both of us, I think, took take to Twitter pretty naturally as a format. Uh, Twitter has changed a lot over the last few months, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I've been on there, you know, 10, 12 years in different formats, different accounts. And um, so I had their lead singer. And when we started doing when we started doing music promotion, that's a place that clicked for us, that short form, that storytelling. You know, some of the same writing that I do on the website about the songs, about the music. I was able to bring that to Twitter. Um, so I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that grow. I know uh, Negatrons have a, a whole back catalog of music. Um, so many of the mu- great musicians that I've met on Twitter and that tweet core scene that it's been called. Uh, they keep me really inspired. And so I'd like to start out writing a new album soon. I think uh, I've had a couple seeds, but it's a massive undertaking, uh, and you can see why the the major labels want everything done six months ahead of time, and uh, all the promotion and stuff. Uh, there's there's definitely a lot of skills to learn when you're an independent doing everything, everything, everything on your own. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, what uh, sound equipment and uh, home studio? devices and just other material we'd recommend for those again who have been dying to do their own music for quite a while yeah um so again really it's a big big difference from when i had started back in the 90s where we had played shows and put together uh, got a pa uh, played enough shows we got our own four track recorder uh, which was I don't know. People are like nostalgic and romantic for those old four track tape recorders. And to me, they're just, they're just nightmares and really hard to work with. Um, and so the home, re- home recording um, has had so many advancements and it really, 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 really took off during COVID uh, too. I think they had mentioned one, that guitar sales were through the roof when people had time, got to do whatever they wanted. So many people turned to, turned to <laughs> music and guitar and got to do yes. some of that rock and roll stuff. Uh, but also, you know, the, the home music stuff. So, um, you know, if you get a controlled, you get a nice controlled room, you can get yourself what's called a DAW, a D-A-W, a digital audio workstation. Uh, I use Pro Tools, but there's a lot of different ones. Um, it's a great device, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a really incredible software, and it has a huge learning curve. But um, I, when I started out, uh, they gave an educator's discount. <laughs> well, it was quite a, it was kind of cheap for me, so I went with that. Um, and um, right now, I use. Uh, uh, a device from IK Multimedia that I plug in my guitars and mics into that's really, really great. And um, got a, a number of different guitars. Of course, guitar sets like where we spend way too much of our, our money on. Um, uh, several different guitars. Telecaster played a major, major role in this album. I'd kind of been a Stratocaster player my entire life. Um, and I got a Telecaster about two months before this whole major project started. And I think that's what brought out some of the petty and some of the stones. You just place a chord on a Telecaster and it's going to sound like something to my ear. Just, oh man, that's that open G chord. sounds like a <laughs> petty song. I mean, all of that string. Um, you know, I think the biggest advice 
that you can give people who are wanting to do it is, you know, get started and start with the start with the things that you have um, exactly. and upgrade when you can, because um, there are so many people creating music at home without a really expensive studio. You can do it on headphones. I've got, you know, I've got monitors and things, but, um, you know, the thing to do is just to get out and do it just like a podcast, right? So if right. you've been wanting to do something, the best advice is get going on it. And the second best advice is be as consistent as you can. And so people know that they can depend on, on you to be there. People like that podcast episode every week. They, they like knowing that you're going to be there talking about music, your own and other people's. Yep. That's, that's what so much of the world is about these days, right? That you got to be consistent too. Absolutely. Uh, And lack of consistency just doesn't do it for anybody. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's the hardest part too, is, you know, um, some, some, some weeks early on are really exciting and fun. And then you listen back and you kind of get a little discouraged because it's why I don't make promises. (laughs) I don't want to risk not keeping them. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, just showing up when you don't want to or life gets a little busy. Um, that's that's so, 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 so key right now. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, altogether, um, are there any uh, networking events or other live music concerts you're actually looking forward to? Yeah. Um, so one of the groups that... Um, that I'm in, they, we have an event tonight is the Minnesota Association of Songwriters. Uh, it's another online songwriting group. Um, and they do feedback and that sort of thing. And they're also connected with a, a radio show that's been really helpful for me. Um, the home, the homebrew show, which plays a lot of music from local artists. And, uh, so getting in those connections in real life in your city and your community are great. And so are things like that online uh, TweetCore community with, uh, you know, Mark Schuster and Brian Lambert and Megatrons and Scoopsky. And there's so many great artists putting out music on, on there too. So I've got a, you know, a couple, a couple different circles where I'm, where I'm networking. And um, I think as I'm getting back into doing it again, uh, also building out networks around mu- the music production side too. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, anything else you want to give a shout out to or have I exhausted you? <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah. I mean, I think so. That's one thing I, I you'd kind of mentioned just when we got online about, you know, how much great music is out there. So I guess my, my, my big shout out would be to, for people to continue to check out indie music. Cause I know, as you said, this is a variety show. And so people are listening to your podcast about music reviews and movies and television and pop culture and other things. Um, but there really, really is so much great music that's out there that's available on spotify and you just need to kind of go out and look for it um you can you can find me on ericlindenmusic.com we talked about that website uh, earlier i like to tell stories about my music so mm-hmm. you can look around you can listen to music there you can find my socials but you can also like you find someone that you like and a lot of artists these days online also interact with other artists in similar genres, um, other artists that you might be interested in doing and, uh, and listening to yourself. And so I, I think that's it's a really good world to dive into. Um, and a lot of it's going on on Instagram. A lot goes on Twitter. TikTok has been incredibly huge for, for um, music artists that like that short video form. Um, so really dive in there. Start looking at who's putting out music in, in your genres and, and seeing what's out there. Uh, you'll be really pleasantly surprised. And, you know, um, not all of the over-the-air radio stations are are putting out the kind of music that we want to listen to. Uh, 
that's always really great advice. I, I think that was like Toni Morrison or someone said like, <laughs> if, if there's a book, if there's a book you want to read, but it hasn't been written, then you have to write it. And I, I feel that same way about music. Like if there's music, if you want to, you want to hear that music in the world, sometimes it's up to you to, to get that guitar music out in the world and share it out with people. So. Dolly, dolly. And all together, I mean, this is cool to know that you can have this be your day job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, um, it's really exciting to, you know, see all the different ways that, uh, that music can work out and that people can um, make it as a songwriter. And of course, a big thing that kind of had come up um, in the last 10 years that wasn't available before is writing for TV and movies and getting royalties through that. Um, hopefully touring continues to be a, a better and better option than it has been in the last couple of years. Um, local shows generally are pretty strong, but it's been tougher, smaller acts and even bigger acts to put on tours. I don't know if, if the rest of the world has noticed it, but there's been a big reduction in, in the tours and festivals and stuff the last year, you know, um, and people struck out this summer and had to cut stuff pretty short there's a lot of cancellations this fall and winter so everything all together will just keep you know just moving along instead of just having to look over your shoulder constantly like it's going to be something blown up in my face <laughs> yeah yeah and you know i think the, at the end of the day it's all about it's all about the music anyways and and then that's a really great thing right now is that people can listen to a podcast like this. They can check out an uh, an artist on something like a Spotify or Apple Music, see what other people are listening to. Um, playlists are a great way to go too. Like I think a lot of indie artists put together at least a couple playlists. I kind of go a little crazy with that. So if you go to my page, <laughs> you'll probably find <laughs> I think 25 or 30 playlists. Um, and is because I like listening to music. I like promoting um, other indies. I like uh, I like listening and discovering new music in the genres that I like the the jangle pop and the power pop and the alternative rock. And we talked about Americana earlier and that kind of stuff. So um, who's putting out interesting music like that? And pod, uh, you know the the playlists are a way of keeping track of that and sharing you know sharing that with the world. So it's been that's been awesome. And hopefully you get, keep to get doing it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Until Spotify gets taken down, you're, you're gonna keep well, doing this. Camp will take Spotify, over. You know, things change. Spotify, but yeah, Spotify. Is, it's a pretty controversial. Uh, you know, Spotify's had a rough year, um, and Twitter's had a pretty rough year. Um, you know, another great thing to make mention of. Um, for podcasters or creatives is mm -hmm. I, I'm a big one about this and I appreciate it. It's like the most boring advice ever, but it's totally true. And that is what you want to make sure that you're getting email from your fans um, and having, uh, making sure you're, you're writing to them and sharing stuff out that way, because you never know when a major, major event is going to hit a platform like a Spotify or a Twitter and if nothing else, we've seen every social media site, they like to really, um, what's the word? But it's Say like something controversial. Yeah. yeah, funnel down. Like they want to squelch your reach, right? So you might have 3,000 Twitter followers. Uh, you might have 30,000 Twitter followers, but you're only getting through to a tiny percentage of them. And they change that at a whim. Like how many people are going to see that? You know, uh, so they, um, you, a tiny, tiny percentage. But if you can convert the people who are really, really interested in what you're doing uh, over to email, you're able to reach out to them um, on your own terms. And then it doesn't matter so much if uh, there's a big controversy. Who does or doesn't see you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like uh, I get through, I, I have like over a 70% email open rate. And, you know, they say in businesses, it's like, 10% is incredible for like a business <laughs> doing it. But if you're telling good stories and you're reaching out to share important stuff, um, I'm getting through to pretty much everyone who wants to hear from me. Right. Um, or even Twitter and, and you'll Spotify. always have their voice. Yes, yeah, always. And they can reach out to me and it's a nice thing. So 
if you can, as a creative, um, ask people for the email addresses, ask people to stay in touch, think of, think of ways of sharing your story in that way. And that way people can't take fans, fans away from you. And I would say like, if I hadn't been doing that over the last couple of years, I would be a lot more stressed out about the developments that have happened with both of those platforms. But you know, MySpace used to be the greatest music uh, promotion platform in the world, and now it, it doesn't really hardly exist, right? Yeah, so. I mean, even when it relaunched, <laughs> people lost some stuff. So I think that's just it. Just yeah, people got Things money to change. burn, and you shouldn't let it distract you. And I mean, pretty soon, you know, whether anyone wants to convert to TikTok or not, there's going to be five other sites that takes place pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah, and there's always that golden window where the platform is trying to to get the creatives over there because and they'll let you reach everybody. That's when people want to be on those platforms, and right. when they start squelching that down on you a little bit, uh, it gets a lot tougher, a lot tougher. Uh, but I think that's probably the most indie thing you can do online is build up your email list uh, and you know have a website, tell your stories, and then. Sh you know, share the work of the the little labels and the podcasters and the bloggers uh, and the radio stations uh, uh, online and over the air that are supporting you. That's that's still incredible, important work. So, yeah, <laughs> it's been a delight having you on here because we're getting some authenticity in the indie music industry. We're not and. Uh, I, I hope you continue to be prolific and you get some more more than just college play. I hope you can really talk to that just that one you know talent agent who's at a show one night at a pub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and connect with the you know even I consider myself a songwriter a friend of a friend, or even you know. <laughs> yeah, songwriter first and foremost. So if anyone's uh, out there listening to some some of my music and wants to record it themselves or wants to collaborate on some lyrics, those kinds of things. Um, it's all great. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'd mentioned uh, you said a shout out and I had probably seven of them, but <laughs> um, you know, the, the tweet core radio hour is, is something that I suggest people check out. It's a pretty new, um, pretty new podcast that's putting out new music. That's done by a friend of mine, Mark Schuster, who's part of the star crumbles. And he's, he's been a really supportive, great blogger. Uh, and he actually played some keyboard on my album too. He played some keyboard on a song called Armagosa. So that would be another great shout out. Other than ericlindenmusic.com, check out that Tweetcore Radio Hour. Um, that's got a lot of great indie rock music going for it. Very nice. See, this is the other good thing. Is getting these other third party yeah. sites noted. Yeah. All right. Well, treat yourself right. And have yourself a wonderful rest of the night. Yeah, thanks, Cam, for having me on. It's a great, uh, great conversation. I'm happy to connect with your listeners, and um, you know, it's been so so cool to, to see share. what you're doing. Sharing is caring. <laughs> Sharing is caring, man. All right, you have a good night. All right, do the same. We'll return after these messages. Hello and welcome to Culture Shocked, the pop culture podcast brought to you by four aging millennials and our outdated opinions. Join us every Tuesday as we discuss movies, TV, games, and even music, new and old. Dude, what do you think you're doing? Are you seriously trying to record a promo without us right now? Well, uh, yeah. Dude, you can't just do the promo by yourself. Who's going to listen to that? Yeah, and you probably haven't even told them that we're a pop culture podcast where we always agree on everything. Uh, for instance, the Sam Raimi trilogy easily being the best of the Spider-Man movies. J no, no. But I think we can all agree that Jaws is a classical masterpiece. Mm, nope, don't like that. But we do all agree that the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is the best in the Skywalker saga, right, guys? That comment is so ridiculous i don't even know where to anyways uh that'll do it from all of us here at culture shock thanks for listening hey it's brent pope the host of breakfast with brent pope you've seen me on some of your favorite tv shows saying things like give it up jimmy you gotta sink this putt to win on breakfast with brent pope i sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast or should i say breakfast every week on breakfast you get inside hollywood info and tips great breakfast wrecks and booty debates 
Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always, am I the winner? Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts, or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up review show. It's a jacked up review show. Jacked up review show. It's a jacked up.